Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. I'm going to be reading from John chapter 19. Um, you can remain seated as I read. This is the, um, this is the story of... Uh, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea uh, carrying the the um, crucified um, body of Jesus to the tomb. The word of the Lord says, Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, in which no one had ever been laid, because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. I am uh, going to be preaching today about the ministry of Nicodemus. Um, Nicodemus is... um, an amazing personality and character of scripture that doesn't give enough credit. And so I want to highlight what his addition to the scriptures might mean. Does anybody here love Jesus? (laughs) Amen. You know, I think if you asked, um, a lot of people that you that you run into, do you love Jesus? I think a lot of people would say yes. Um, I I had some misconceptions about just the world and and people outside of the church because when you're growing up, you know this is all you know. I grew up on this front row, literally right here. This is this is where I learned how to pray and and to um, know God and. You have this kind of idea that, you know, the rest of the world must be just sin-ridden and doesn't love God. You know, why, why are they not here in this church? They must not, you know, love God like I do. Well, you know, when you talk to people, especially in America, most people, they'll, they'll admit they have some sort of belief or um, recognition of Jesus. And if you'd ask them, do you love Jesus? Um, they would, they would probably say yes. But the question that is kind of distinguishes the people of God from um, maybe um, just God-fearers is you love Jesus, yes, but do you love the church? You love Jesus, yes, but do you love the church of God? Do you love the church does anybody here love the church? 
I believe, and just what I've noticed in my life, is that the church is the stumbling block to the gospel, to the American culture. If you read 1 Corinthians, Paul is talking about the gospel that he preaches. And he's talking about Christ crucified, Jesus dying on the cross. He says, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews. The cross of Christ was a stumbling block to Jews because how are they supposed to believe that the Messiah promised in the Hebrew scriptures was a guy that died on a tree? Their, their law said, cursed is any man who dies on a tree. And so for the Christians to come and say, Jesus was the Messiah promised of old of the prophets. And the way that he came to conquer sin and death and, and, and bring in the new kingdom of God was to die on a cross, but he was resurrected. And so to the Jewish mind, because of unbelief, they, they could not believe this. How are you going to tell me that, that the man who, who we believe was going to come and save us from the Romans died on a tree? What kind of faith is that? What do you believe? And so the Jewish people, by and large, in the first century rejected the message of Jesus because it was a stumbling block. They could not get over the fact that their, the Messiah died on a tree. They could not get over that. It, it was a stumbling block, a hindrance to them. And then Paul says that to Greeks, to Gentiles, it's foolishness. The Greeks loved wisdom. They loved all the, all the, the big ideas, all the, all the new, new wisdom, new teachings going around in the culture. And, and so for the Christians to come and say, Follow Jesus. He, he died on the cross and then was resurrected on the third day. That's foolishness to people who have no concept of this. What, you want me to believe in, in, in a Jew who died on a cross and, and you say he raised from the dead? Yeah, that's, that's not wisdom. That's not, that's not an elevated idea. That, I, I want, that's, not, that's not big enough for me. And so to the Greeks, that was the stumbling block. Those are the two things, that was the thing that, that hindered the gospel. People from believing the message of the gospel in the first century was Christ and him crucified. In our culture today, Christ and him crucified is prevalent everywhere you go. People wear it around their neck just all the time. It's, it's always there. Um, certain traditions, you know, ha- have, have a necklace and they'll, they'll pray through and they'll, they'll believe in the cross. You know, you... Uh, the cross is, is in all kind of imagery all over our culture. It's everywhere. You, you see the cross all the time. People don't have a hard time believing in Christ and him crucified today because that's the forgiveness of sin. I think most people have some kind of moral compass and recognize that they have some kind of bad in them that needs forgiveness. And so they, they'll look to the cross and believe in the cross that, yes, Jesus did die for my sins, and I believe and I trust that. But the stumbling block today is not Christ and him crucified, it is the church. It's the thing that hinders people from walking with God is the church. Because when you come to church, the church demands everything. And it's not just the church that demands. I'm not talking about me or leadership in the church, but Jesus Christ who, who birthed the church, who, who, who came up with the idea of the church, he uses this thing, this this kind of institution, this thing to spread his message to the entire world. He chose the church. He chose the people of God and organized it into a thing. And he said, this is how I'm going to spread my message to the world. It's to the church, through the church. And so when you come to a church, the church is going gonna, is gonna to preach things. It's going to teach things. And if you are someone who is living in some kind of sin, 
Necessarily, the message of the gospel is offensive because it says you're living this way, but the, the right way to live is this way. And so it's going to offend people because they're saying you're wrong. And the one thing you can't do today is tell somebody they're wrong. That's the one thing you can't do today in our culture is tell somebody that they are wrong. And it's just kind of in the air that we breathe. You know, the idea of tolerance, okay, whatever's, whatever you want to do. But you can, everything, you can be tolerant of everything except for Jesus and the church. And so when you come into the church, we, we, preach the, we preach the word of God and we preach what it says. We don't try to hide anything. We just present the truth of God and it, the word does what it does. And when you preach about Jesus and you preach about belonging to Jesus, you preach about belonging to the church. And what is it going to cost when you belong to the church? It costs you everything. It costs time. Every Sunday morning, you got to get up, put on your clothes, come to church, put gas in your car and get here. It costs you some time. On Wednesday nights, you just worked long hours. Your kids... You bring them, you put them in the car, you bring them to church, it costs something. Church teaches covenant, partnership with God and your finances. It costs something. Serving the church, it costs energy. It costs giving yourself to something and, and being involved in a purpose greater than yourself. And so, to us, to those here today, to the people of God, this is glory that we get to give our lives to the kingdom of God. Amen. But to those on the outside, they see, they see us coming to church and walking into the church and coming in with our families and sitting down and, and, and worshiping and, and singing and, and listening to the word of God and, and fellowshipping and, and, and talking to the believers and, and just believing in something greater than ourselves. And to the onlookers, it's foolishness. What are you people doing, giving your money to some preacher who just demands your money? Who do you think you are? You know, it shouldn't go somewhere better than that? So they say. And so, and, and everybody's heard those horror stories of abuses in the church. Everybody's heard those stories. They don't hear the good stories, but they know the bad stories. They hear the abuses of the church, and they say, oh, I don't want to belong to that. You know, they're all corrupt. I've heard people tell me that. I said, well, I'll, I'll ask them, well, do you love Jesus? I said, yes. Well, where do you, do you worship somewhere? Say, no, all preachers are corrupt. I've heard that before. And I so well, why do you say that? And then they'll go on to tell their horror stories of some kind of abuse. And, and it's sad. But this is a stumbling block to our culture, is the church. But I'm here to preach today about the power and the glory of of the church of the living God. This is the method that Jesus has chosen to see his gospel spread to the world. It's through the local church. I'm going to say this. I believe the local church is the only hope for this world. Of course, we believe Jesus is the only hope, but Jesus chose to manifest himself through the church. Jesus chose to manifest himself to the world through the church. And so the reason why the church is so important because this is how Jesus has chosen to reveal himself. You cannot separate Jesus and his church. You cannot separate Jesus and his church. You cannot say you love Jesus, you love God, 
but do not love the church. They are, they are, they were eternally combined, conjoined. And I'll show you how. There's teaching in the scripture that the church is the body of Christ. And one part of that metaphor is that just like a body, every different parts have different purposes. Your hands and your feet and your nose and your ears do different things. In the church of God, we have different uh, people who do different things. They belong to different ministries, perform different tasks. That's one part of the metaphor. But the other part of the metaphor of the body of Christ is that as the body of Christ, we are the physical representation of Jesus on earth. Think about it. You are the body of Christ. You are Jesus. You are Jesus, literally Jesus to the world. The body of Christ, the physicalness of Jesus. We can't see him with our eyes, of course. We walk by faith and not by sight. But Jesus has chosen the church as his representation. He manifests himself through the church to the world. You are the body of Christ. You are the representation of Jesus. And so that's why I love that phrase. You might be the only Jesus that someone sees. Because literally, you might be the only Jesus that someone sees. When Saul of Damascus, when Saul of Tarsus was going to Damascus, Jesus appeared to him. He knocked him down. He blinded him. And he, he, he revealed himself to him. And what did Jesus say? He did not say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting the church? He didn't say that. He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Because Jesus felt it physically as his people were getting persecuted, as his people were getting put in prison and being killed. He felt it in his own body. He felt because he has chosen to link himself to the church as the body of Christ. And so he said, why are you persecuting me? I feel their pain. I feel my people who are getting destroyed and just put in prison and all this sort of thing. Jesus could feel the pain of his church because they are a part of him. And so today, when you feel pain, when you are being persecuted for your faith, when you're going through some kind of trial, Jesus feels it deeply. Jesus feels it deeply because he has chosen to link himself to the church. You cannot separate Jesus from the church. At the end of the Bible and the revelation of Jesus Christ and his final appeal to the people reading this prophecy, he says, the spirit and the bride say, come. The spirit says, come. The eternal spirit of God says, come. I'm inviting you in, but he's chosen the bride as well to say, come. Come be a part of the people of God. The spirit and the bride, the church of God are inseparably linked. So this, to us, is glory. In the New Testament, the church is spoken of in terms that are hard to even really wrap my mind around. There's promises and things spoken over the church that are just jolting of the power and the responsibility that God has given to the church. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, the great apostle writes, he's writing to his son in the gospel, Timothy, who's ministering at a church in Ephesus. He says, this, these things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, 
which is the church of the living God. The reason he said the church of the living God is because in Ephesus, there was a huge temple with a huge idol that people from all over would come to worship this false God. And people would come and, and, and bow down and give money to this false God. But in reality, that God wasn't even living. It, it wasn't even a living thing. It was dead. And so in contrast to this, Paul says, I'm writing so you know how to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. Because all of the gods are dead. They're not, they're not real. They're not alive. But he says, I'm writing to the church of the living God. Because our God is alive. And then he says, he's talking about the church of the living God. He says, the pillar and ground, foundation, another translation says, the pillar and foundation of the truth. He says, the church is the pillar and foundation of the truth. The church. He could have been talking about the word of God, and of course he's meaning all this, but he says, the church is the pillar and foundation of the truth. What does that mean? Does that mean that we just, you know, come up with some kind of truth and we just, we just give it to the people like it just comes from us? No. No, 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 no. But the church is built upon the foundation of the word of God. And what the church does is like a pillar. We are standing in the ground and the word of God is put on top of the church and we present it to the world. The church is the method that God has chosen to present the truth of the living God to the world. We're standing there like a pillar. And then we take our Bibles and we put it on that pillar. And we say, I'm just going to preach the word of God. I'm going to preach the word of God to this world. Because the world needs truth. There's so many things that are going on. There's so many lies. There's so much deception. So much uncertainty. So much unstableness going on in our culture. But when you come to the house of God, you know that you can stand on something. You know that you can stand on the truth of the word of God that's preached from this pulpit every single week. You know you can trust it. You know you can trust in the word of God. Because the word of God is written, but it's also spoken. And when someone comes behind you, they're standing as a representative of Jesus Christ and claiming the truth of the word of God. If you feel like your life's a little bit unstable, you don't know what's going on, trust in the truth of the word of God. If you feel like you don't know what to do in your life, trust in the truth of the word of God. Trust in the word preached from this pulpit. It'll save your soul. I can't tell you how many times I've been, I've been just down. I've been down. But I come to church and pastor starts preaching from the word of God. I get excited when he opens up his Bible because I know truth is going to come into my soul. And I sit right over there and all I can do is bow my head down under the power and glory of God and say, Lord, I thank you for your truth. I thank you for the spirit of God that's sanctifying my soul. It's the truth of the word of God. And what the church does is like a pillar that presents this truth to the world. This is the method that God has chosen to reach his world is the church of the living God. Is anybody here a part of the church of the living God? Does anybody need any truth here today? Does anybody need some truth from the word of God today for your soul? Is your soul thirsty for the truth of the living God? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God spoke over the darkness and he spoke it to life. And just like today, your life may feel like it's void and empty and there's darkness in your life. But God will speak over your life and create something out of nothing. <laughs> in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the 
darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. If you feel like there's darkness in your life, if you feel like there's darkness in your life, the word of God is here and saying the darkness has not overcome it. The word of God will win in the end. And what happened to that word? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten full of grace and truth. And the word of God was made flesh in Jesus Christ. In the same way, we make the word of God flesh to the world. It's the truth of the living God. Would you just worship God right now? (laughs) Cling to this truth. The word of God says the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. And all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that everything he might have the supremacy. This is the truth that we believe that God was first. He was before all things. He created all things. And then when the fullness of time was come, he came in the likeness of man and he humbled himself and became like one of us to die for your sins. And this is the truth that we preach and this is the gospel that we preach. That's something that you can cling to. That's something you can believe. That's something you can stake your life on. Because if this is not true, then nothing else is true. If Christ is not risen, then our faith is in vain. But if Christ is risen, then it's everything. So if you want to be a part of something where there's, it's true and you know that it's true and you can trust it. It's the church of the living God. And now we come to our, our text. I was in, um, I went to Sight and Sound Theater a couple years ago. Has anybody ever been there? And they were doing the the Jesus production. Anybody see that? And I was I was coming not really expecting much because sometimes those productions are a little bit cheesy. Um, I was kind of scared to start out because James and John and Zebedee, their mom was hitting them with the fish at the beginning of the production. So I was like, well, I guess this is going to be a, some kind of something. But the, the drama went on, and I, just, I was just soaking it in, watching the presentation of, of Jesus, and it was powerful. If you saw it, you know what I'm talking about. It was powerful. At the end of it all, Usually, the sight and sound, they don't make things too heavy because they know there's kids there. But this was, this was the crucifixion of Jesus. You can't do the crucifixion lightly. You can't do it lightly. It's bloody. It's gruesome. So they had Jesus on the cross. 
And it was, it was almost a chilling scene because there was no music. The lights were red. Everything was red. Jesus died on the cross. He, he yelled out, it is finished, and he gave up his spirit. <laughs> it was all over, and it was just kind of silent. Out of the corner, two men walked up to the cross. As I was watching, I realized this was Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. And they went up there, and there was no music during this time. It was red. It was just, it was just amazing. They put a ladder behind the cross, and one of them climbed up the ladder. They took the nails out of Jesus' hands, took the nails out of his feet. They had uh, some kind of fabric. They draped it over the cross and put it under his arms. They lowered his body down. And one of them got his body. And the other one came down from the cross. And carried, they carried his body to the tomb. And as I was watching this, I began to weep. Because so I was thinking about you know, how much of an honor it is to carry somebody's casket to be a pallbearer. So you get to carry somebody to their final resting place. And I was praying. I said, Lord, I wish I could have been there to take care of your body. After all you did for me, I wish I could have been there. The Spirit spoke to me. He said, Caleb, you do carry my body. He said, Caleb, you do. Because you're part of the church of God. You're part of the body of Christ. He said, you do carry my body. You do take care of my body. Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. John 3, he wasn't really sure who this Jesus was, but he was interested. He had a con- that famous conversation with Jesus. Jesus told him, you must be born of the water and the spirit. You must be born again. Nicodemus left, not really sure where he stood. You see him one more time in the book of John. He's defending Jesus against the Pharisees. His heart is starting to be softened towards Jesus. And then last time you see Nicodemus, apparently he did decide that Jesus was the Messiah. And you see him carrying the body of Jesus. The man who had done so much for him, he could do only one act of devotion was to take care of his body. It says that Nicodemus brought spices and, and linens to, to put on the body. About 75 pounds of spices. 75 pounds. He's carrying it. it. It would have cost a lot of money. But Nicodemus was willing to give any expense for his Lord. So Nicodemus and Joseph, they... Both were men of means. They got a tomb. They, they took, his, took his body off the cross, and they're carrying it. You know how sometimes a smell, will t- a certain smell will take you back to a certain place? I can only imagine how smelling those spices forever remind them 
of Jesus' body as they put the spices on his body. They're carrying his body. And when they're carrying his body, they didn't just let his head you know, fall back. They didn't just let his arm. They, they, they wrapped it okay. Joseph, wrap him. Good, okay. They carried him very specially to the tomb. And the ministry of Nicodemus is that just like Nicodemus took care of the body of Christ, the ministry of Nicodemus today to all of us is taking care of the body of Christ. Not just taking care of the body of Christ, but being a part of the body of Christ. I've just been noticing some things as I've been just maybe taking a little bit more responsibility in the church and just kind of you know, becoming a, just part of this church and becoming a man. I've just been noticing some things. I've been noticing how all of you take care of the body of Christ. I've been noticing how one afternoon... I was here at the church on a Monday. I walked outside. And a good brother of this church was, he's an older man. He had a shovel and he's digging a trench in the church property to run a cable for our security cameras. He's sweaty, but he's stabbing the shovel in the ground. I came over and talked to him. I said, hey, brother. How's it going? He says, oh, man, this is, I'm, going, I'm doing good. He had a smile on his face, wiped the sweat off his brow. I came back the next week. Another brother of this church was doing the same thing, picking up, finishing the job. I came outside. It was a hot day. He's sitting in the shade, just kind of cooling off from digging a trench on the church property. I come up and talk to him. He's just smiling. He said, hey, Caleb, good to see you, man. I said, good to see you too. How are you doing? He's like, well, doing good. Just digging a trench. I said, okay. I've been noticing how you people take care of the body of Christ. I come here on Wednesdays. And I look out the window of the youth room. And there's a man teaching a, a youth student a Bible study. Gets there an hour and a half before church. Teaching a a kid a Bible study because the kid needs some help living for God. He's taking care of the body of Christ. I watch how you fathers, you work long hours, you work hard weeks, but you come to church faithfully. You bring your kids down to the altar. You put your hands on their backs and you pray for them. You're taking care of the body of Christ. I watch how Brother Gary Morgan's baptizes people and he wipes the water off their face. He lays his hand on them, prays for the Spirit to fill their hearts. He's taking care of the body of Christ. I watch how whenever a sister that's in trouble needs some help, they'll come to the altar just like clockwork. The other sisters come around her 
and help pray her through to her breakthrough. It's taking care of the body of Christ. I watch how when it's spoken, if you need a healing in your body, to raise your hand. And I watch as you people raise your hands. And the people of God gather around and pray for healing in the name of Jesus. Because we take care of the body of Christ. And I've been watching all of this. And a couple weeks ago, in passing the mantle, I was here late. We had an event in the event center. It's getting close to midnight. And I was done cleaning up. I had some good brothers helping me clean up. And I came back and I remembered the baptistry. I was supposed to drain it and fill it for Sunday. And I went and checked. I was like, well, maybe it wasn't used and we can just keep the same water. It was used. <laughs> so it's 12.30 in the morning. And it takes about 20 minutes to drain it and 20 minutes to fill it up. And so I was like, well, I guess I better do it. Don't want people going to get their sins washed away and there's already sin in the baptistry. <laughs> and so I, I turned the drain on. I'm back here in this room. I sit down on the step. The Spirit of God hit me. I said, Jesus, thank you for letting me take care of your body. And I just laid back and I raised my hands in worship and praise. All by myself here in the middle of the night almost. I said, thank you, Jesus. That one act of devotion, as small as it may seem, I get to take care of your body. After all you did for me, Jesus, if I can just do one thing to repay for all that you did for me, I will do it, and I will do it with the best of my ability. This is with opportunity. This is the opportunity we're given, church, is to take care of the body of Christ. I'm not talking about just doing menial things around the church. I'm talking about all of it put together. All of it is taking care of the body of Christ. And God forbid, should we neglect the church? If we should neglect the church, perhaps you might be in fear of neglecting the body, a very body, the very body of Christ. Neglecting the church of God is neglecting Jesus' body. Would you treat his body? Would you let it fall? Would you let it just fall on the ground? Would you just trample and, and take a step over? But no, you'd pick it up and you'd say, Lord, I'm going to give my life to this. I'm going to give my all to this. Everything I have, everything I am, I'm going to give to your body. <laughs> So if you're here today in this church and you've been questioning about being a part of the body of Christ, do not let Jesus' body fall on the ground, but pick it up and take care of it. Take care of his body because Jesus gave it all for you. Jesus gave it all for you. He was willing to be nailed to a cross by himself with no friends. Everybody left. He was willing to suffer there and die and suffocate to death so that you could be a part of his body. So don't trample his body on the ground. Don't step over his body. Don't let his head fall back. Don't kick his body in the ribs, but pick it up and say, Lord, I want to be a part of this body. I want to take care of your body, Jesus, because you took care of me. <laughs> Is there anybody here that's happy to be a part of the church of the living God? <laughs> Has the church done something for your life? <laughs> Has the church saved your soul? Did you get saved here? Did you get baptized here? Did you get the Holy Ghost here? If you did, you're a part of the body of Christ. <laughs>
If you're not a part of the body of Christ, if you not, not have had your sins washed away, this baptism here, this is like the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. In the beginning, he's going to hover over the waters. And when you come up out of the water, the Spirit of God will hit you, and you will speak in a new language because you've been born again. This is the body of Christ. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for everything that you've done for me. Jesus, I thank you for everything that you've done for me. God, for giving your life for me so that I could be a part of your body. Father, I pray that you would help me just to give my all to you and to carry your body and to be a part of your body, Jesus. I pray that you would help me with this, Lord God. Help me to be a part of your body, Lord, and show me how to take care of your body better and be a part of it better, Lord Jesus. Show me. Help me, Lord God. I want to be a part of it, Lord Jesus. If that's your prayer, I invite the people of God, the body of Christ, to come and to be together as a body and to pray, to minister to each other's needs to take the burden on your shoulders of somebody else, to confess your faults to somebody else and to take on their burden and to pray for them to be set free. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.